Freethinkers, and welcome back to the Free Thought Project podcast. This is podcast number seven. I'm Jason Bassler. Joining me today is Matt Savoy, and we have a really amazing guest today, uh, Mr. Roderick Talley. This guy's a hero. Uh, he's been through the ringer with his local law enforcement after having a video go viral. Before we get into that, though, I just wanted to first apologize for the long delay between podcasts. Uh, as you can imagine, with the holidays, we've had a hard time coordinating. And I've also personally been working on a massive project that's been taking a lot of my focus, uh, which is a social media activist journalist summit coming up this weekend in Houston. And just a few words on that really quick. Myself and Derek Bros uh, have coordinated a meeting of the mind summit for journalists, uh, social media activists, digital influencers in Houston this Saturday. We're going to try to combat the rampant social media censorship, and try to figure out a way to continue a viable path to sustainability on the internet for all uh, alternative media. Hopefully we can make some progress and push the needle in the opposite direction with all this bullshit censorship we've been dealing with. And this would also actually be a good opportunity to remind our audience, if you could, both subscribe and rate our podcast. That helps us get in more people's feeds and gets our name out there a little bit more. All right, listeners, uh, Free Thought listeners, I want to uh, introduce to you a man uh, named Roderick Talley, who most of you more likely than not already know who he is. He's a, he's a hero in, in, in multiple fronts. When scrolling through our website, you know, you'll see hundreds of stories of SWAT teams busting down the doors of not only innocent people, but wrong homes entirely. And uh, all too often, you know, the taxpayers are held liable and those cops are, they go back to work and they, no one knows about it and, and no one cares and no one stands up for it and it continues to keep going. But, uh, in last year, they, the police did this to Roderick Talley. They blew his door, literally blew his door up off the hinges and busted into his home. And, uh, he didn't, he, he was completely innocent. They had accused him of selling a hundred dollars worth of cocaine and he never did that. It was the informant was, was a bad informant and police were acting on bad information and Roger fought for his innocence and he won his innocence. And during the fight for his innocence, Roderick found that these cops had been doing this to multiple people. Multiple innocent people have had their doors kicked in by these cops, blown off the hinges and were raided. And so Roderick decided to take a stand to fight for these people and himself. And it's been an incredible journey. And, um, so I'd like to uh, let Roderick give a little bit of background information on how this all got started. It was uh, August the 3rd, 2017. Uh, it was around the time that I was getting putting together uh, a charity event for my nonprofit organization that I started uh, called Hope, Spe- Hope Begins With Me. And um, while at work, uh, I'm a licensed barber, and while at work, uh, I received a notification uh 
on my door. I mean, from my uh, security system, that someone was at my door, and uh, I thought it kind of strange. No one comes to my home, let alone uh, comes knock on my door. So uh, when I saw a guy knocking on my door, I just thought it was kind of kind of strange. Uh, but I didn't pay it any mind. Uh, I went back to working, and um, then that it, that following day, uh, August the fourth, uh, I noticed I got another notification on my phone, and there was a another strange man uh, outside of my door. But he walked by. And uh, as I watched the video, he was taking pictures of my door. And so uh, it kind of put me on alert. Like, you know, I wonder what's going on. Why police officer taking pictures of my door? And uh, then I'm about to call my dad and let him know what was going on. And uh, he informed me that uh, he would check and see, you know, why they would be doing it. And uh, my dad's a school teacher. And uh, he checked with some of the officers there at his job. And they told me, hey, they're getting ready to probably kick your son's door in. And I didn't understand why, but being that I had nowhere else to go, I mean, I, I kept going home. So, uh, But I left work that day after I seen the officer to go tell my apartment manager also what was going on at my door. And she made me aware that officers had been to her uh, office and told her that she needed to evict me and that uh, she told them that she couldn't, that she didn't have a reason to. Well, lo and behold, six days later, uh, I would be uh, awakened by my door being blown off um, off the hinges. And uh, while I was on my couch sleep and uh, a SWAT team entering my home with ARs and uh, canines to do a, to serve a, a no-knock search warrant. And um, uh, upon their entry, I, it's probably like the loudest explosion I've ever heard in my life. Like uh, it's, it's the impact was so loud, like it, it blew my neighbor's door, it shifted my neighbor's door off the hinges. So it was, uh, it, it was just, it was, it was ridiculous to see how many people coming in. My apartment is probably maybe the size of a, a holding cell. Like it wasn't real big and, um, maybe two holding cells. I'll give it that much. And, um, and it took all of that for an alleged, uh, hundred dollar cocaine purchase that they said happened on the day of August the 3rd where the informant actually uh, came to my door and my, my knocks, the knock that he knocked on my door, it went unanswered because nobody was there. And my dog that was home, he, he's not trained to open the door. So there was nobody that could have opened the door. And um, to kind of go back on what you stated earlier uh, about the informant giving bad advice, um, it was more, it wasn't so much so the informant, the officers actually stated that they, uh, that they observed the drug by three officers uh, stated that, that they were there in a surveillance position and observed my door opening and observed the informant having a conversation with me uh, and the tr- and buying the, and buying the cocaine from me. Right. And right. Uh, it was just, just just so happened I wanted to catching it all on camera. Thank God you had a camera rolling, man. And that uh, the video. Oh man, thank you. <laughs> yeah, the video that um, that Roderick is talking about. I mean, he has video of this and. The video is insane to watch. I mean, the door literally blows across the. It blows up. It's an explosion. It's not just like a battering ram that the the SWAT teams use. They used explosives, which is is dangerous. It's inappropriate and um and it's it's unprecedented. Nothing we we've never seen that before or after the the police use these explosives to blow Roderick's door off. That was actually something I was going to say is because you know we see a lot of police brutality videos. You know, I mean, we've been doing this for years now, six years now, and we've we've seen a lot. But when we saw this video, when this video crossed my radar, I instantly had to share it with our team, and we knew it was it was something else. I mean, it 
it was absolutely crazy. And, you know, I mean, how did you not have a heart attack? Like, how did you stay calm during that process? I probably would have freaked the fuck out. Yeah, I, I, and not to even try to, you know, because a lot of people feel like, uh, you know, when somebody of a person of color is wrong by the police that we try to, you know, draw this black and white line. Uh, but my thing was uh, I couldn't afford to freak out in my mind. I, I, if I did any, you know, sudden movements or anything that, that looked like I was reaching or going for a weapon or anything, that I was going to be shot. I, I, I Once I realized it was the police, my instincts was just put your hands in the air, you know, so at least, and I knew I had my camera in the house, so I'm like, you know, if, if all else fails, this video will get out and it'll show that, you know, I didn't reach for anything that they just shot because they wanted to, so yeah, that's, I had to remain calm, I said, and being a person of color and that not being my first time having an interaction with the police or hearing about it and seeing it on TV, I knew the only thing to do was to, to throw my hands in the air, even though sometimes that'll still lead to you getting shot too. Yeah, all too often that's the case, man. I want you to explain what happened after the cops came in and realized that you were a harmless, innocent person. What do they do next? Yeah, they come in and after they, you know, the SWAT clears the area and, and then there's three detectives that come in and they uh, do a search. And uh, after they realized that well, they already knew there wasn't any cocaine there, but after they did their uh, search or whatever, um, they actually uh, replayed the video. Like once I told them, you know, like, hey, uh, you guys, I seen, I said something about this isn't right. I said, I seen an officer, you know, come by my door taking pictures, and I, I replayed it for them. And uh, they actually pulled out their, their phones, like, because as surprised as we are to see the video, uh, one of the officers made the same uh, statement that uh, we've never seen it from the other side of the, 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 uh, the explosion. And uh, they actually pulled out their phones and recorded it while while playing the video back because my surveillance system, uh, the, the main hub, it plays the videos back that it recorded. Now, they're watching the video from inside the home, not aware that the camera is still recording. And they actually they pulled out their phones, recorded it several times and laughed about it and said it was oh, that's worth coming to work for. You know, never not minding the fact that, you know, they could have killed me or it could have, you know, every that situation could have went dead. They could have killed my dog or, you know, anything. So they laughed about it. And um, and as they were and I asked the officer because he uh, said that he had found marijuana, even though I never they never showed it to me. They just said it and you know, took me to jail. And I asked him, you know, could you just write me a citation if that's what you say you found? And he was like, no, somebody has to go to jail, basically because they've done all this. You know, and, and they marched me out of my house like my neighbors. It's six twenty-two when it happened, so it woke my neighborhood up. So as they walked me out, I, I looked like a, you know, like a kingpin or, or you know, a serial killer or something. The way that they marched me out of my home, and I was actually uh, evicted from my apartment after after that happened. Man. Yeah, that's terrible, man. God. The fact that they laughed about that—I mean, that just you know highlights everything wrong with police culture in the United States these days. And I feel like that shift has really only happened within the past 20 years or so. And, you know, now it's, it's just so apparent and so avert. It makes me sick. Yeah. 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 I, I, I wouldn't have thought that he like, you know, and, and I think that's the kind of thing that kind of alerted me to like, you know, usually when somebody does something and, uh, they're kind of shocked and awe about it, they, they're not as, uh, they're not laughing about it. You know, it's kind of a, a serious moment. You know, you, you kind of take a take a step back to kind of, you know, uh, grasp everything that just happened. But they were so 
like calm and relaxed about it like if it was what they were used to and that was what was more alarming to me like you know that you could have killed me and then I was screaming like uh in fear and that was the part that they laughed about like at the beginning of the video you can hear me like screaming once the door comes out the hinges and uh like they they started laughing that was the part that was funny to them the fact that I'm screaming for my life and I I just like that that's ridiculous and that's the that's what we're dealing with and that's what you're fighting right so yes sir yes sir after after you went to jail you came back home and you you found out about uh kenneth ray robinson right and then you then you found out how many different cases he was tied to and how many different times police used him and then you started doing some digging what what did you find when you started doing all that digging oh man i found (laughs) i found years of corruption uh i uh actually at the time only knew about the officers in my case uh guy named Mark Eisen, uh, Robert Bell, and uh, Lonnie Leakty. And uh, as I went, I went to civil rights attorneys. I went to uh, internal affairs, which uh, that's another story, but I went to internal affairs. I went to everybody that I thought I could uh, in regards to trying to just get some, uh, get get them to, you know, kind of do something to the officers in a sense. You know, uh, I, I knew what they did was wrong and I knew I had proof. Because I, I go to court and ask for a probable cause hearing, and they dismiss my charges. So I was like, no, something isn't right. They're not going to go through all these dramatics of blowing down somebody's door and then drop, you know, whatever alleged charges that they have against them when they start asking questions. And uh, so I, I went and filed several Freedom of Information Act requests and requested uh, the information for every case that these officers uh, worked on. And uh, upon just those three officers, I had pulled up at least uh at the time a uh, hundred different uh uh different probable cause affidavits that basically stated the same information and that these officers had used this informant uh Kenneth Ray Robinson who himself is has at least 10 felonies which include uh, robbery filing false police reports with the police which was a felony uh even while during his incarceration he had uh sent a threat to a uh, an officer and then uh, blamed it on his cellmate in a chance to try to reduce his time in jail. So this guy has a lengthy record dating all the way back to the 90s, uh, even to now 2008, well, to 2018, um, where he was just arrested. But um, as I cont- I started uh, contacting these individuals, some had open cases, some had already pled guilty, and I started contacting them. And um, just doing my just do, I felt like at the time of trying to inform them what was going on and what had happened to me, and uh, let them know that, hey, I know for sure the same thing happened to you. So don't you go to court and take a plea. You, need to, you know, have your attorney look into this, ask questions, file motions. And uh, up to date now, I've been still doing the same thing. And uh, when I didn't get any help uh, back in 2017, I uh, I just went to the courthouse and filed a uh, federal lawsuit myself, a civil rights lawsuit myself. And um, just kept kept pushing at it and trying to bring attention to uh, what was going on here in Little Rock, calling the news stations, calling the radio, calling everybody that I could to try to get some help. Because I knew if this was happening, you know, uh, had been happening this long, it was going to continue to happen if nobody spoke up. Right. And um, you 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 ruffled a lot of feathers in the police department, man. You 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 actually found evidence that they were they were committing crimes. And right. This is like this isn't allegations. Uh, I I believe like the your your attorney and then like Radley Balco with the Washington Post. They actually looked it over and they found that the raids themselves were actually illegal. 
You know, this isn't right. based on anything. It's like not a he said, she said. It's a there's video evidence, and then the language that they used in the warrants, uh, all all were evidence of a crime. And you brought all this to the police department, told all this to Internal Affairs, and they they essentially they not only told you to get lost, but then they like they started making your life a living hell, didn't they? Yeah, and uh, I just recently went to Internal Affairs again, and and uh, I know now, thank God for video. Uh, I I record everything, any conversations, any interactions I have with anybody, I record it because. I don't want my words to ever get um, twisted or turned or they're quick to say, well, this was edited. So I, I make sure I record everything. And uh, they even told me that they they didn't uh, move forward on the uh, investigation of those officers when I made the report back in November for the simple fact that I didn't provide them personally with the videos. Even right. though I came there and I, I showed I, them the videos. I watched yeah, that video they, on your Facebook page. That was uh, Sergeant Hold and Lieutenant Branford or something like that. That was their name? Yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah so, Sergeant, uh, I think his name, Branford was the supervisor. She stepped out, but she went back in. But I talked to her this morning, and she kind of gave me the same thing that uh, Sergeant Stevenson, I think that's his name, he he gave me yesterday, uh, on, yeah, I think it was yesterday, that he gave me the rundown of why they didn't do it. And, and my thing is, whether I provided you the video or not, at this point, you know, it's out there and you know that there's something going on. Why haven't you taken the initiative to investigate it when you know this is, you know, has ruined uh, plenty of lives? And the guy had the, the audacity to ask me, how do you know the informant isn't reliable? <laughs> you know, right. like, hey, like, God, it's on, on camera that he's not reliable. And then you have officers who uh, have admitted to it uh, and to the prosecutor that, uh, and this is where I, I try to let people know, like, to, that they can't that, don't get me wrong the informant is very very responsible but the officers also uh, it's not the informant that brought them the information the officers are stating that they observed it and then when you have an officer who goes back and tells the prosecutor okay the drug buy didn't happen but in your affidavits you said that you tested cocaine and i'm trying to figure out where if the drug buy never happened where did you get cocaine from to do a field test on that came back positive for cocaine and then now they don't have any answers. So, right, you basically told them all this in that uh, short video, and uh, they told you to get lost. We uh, we actually yeah. have that video. We're gonna play that clip um, for it's about a one minute clip of this of you telling them this that the video is out there, and him acknowledging that the video is out there, acknowledging that these crimes happen, and still just tells you that there's nothing they could do. And he he recommended that Internal Affairs drop the case. So here's right. that here's that video real quick. So, there's nothing they're going to do in regards to my situation? No, I'm asking for this information, this video. You, 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 the video everybody's seen the video. The video is everywhere. Me giving it to you at this point is, is, is it doesn't make, like, I don't have to give it to you personally. It's, it's everywhere. Like, I've shared it everywhere. It's, it's not anything that's hidden. Like the videos are out there, and I'm quite sure you guys you you know about it. So there are snippets of the video. That's right? how it you comes. told me. You told me there was more than that. If you if you played up your, your recording that you have with me, I told you exactly what I know because Vivian, and the, the lady told you. She said I have Vivian in my home too. The uh, other lady who no longer works here said the same thing. I have the same system, and it records in um, in increments. It doesn't record a full day like a hardware drive it records in increments when motion is detected it starts recording and if you have one outside your home you know how they work too like the ring doorbell okay, here, here again here again <laughs> i asked you for the information you failed to provide the information 
I therefore made the recommendation to Chief of Police that we not proceed on this, and the Chief of Police agreed with me, and we're not proceeding on it. It's, it's terrible, man. It shit made me so yeah. mad, dude. I was, <laughs> I, 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 was, I was very upset when that happened, when I saw that guy just flagrantly just tell you that, you know, there's nothing they could do, and, and he knows that this cop's committed crimes, and he's not All doing right, anything. Right. No accountability, and even when there is transparency, you know, they, they'll pass the buck, and they won't even take any action to actually hold somebody accountable and, and try to implement some kind of punishment, you know, and that's, once again, this is just the modern police state. This is how things are. This, that's the way it is. If you don't like it, well, you probably just hate police. Right, right. Yeah. And, and that's the thing I try to tell them, like, I'm not even one of those uh, forget the, you know, I, I'm not one of those people raising hell about uh, the police. Like, I, I've had to call the police before. I've had my home broken into. I've had, you know, people uh, destroy my property. Like, I've had reasons to have to call the police. So I'm not, I wasn't anti-police. Uh, it was just that even even when it happened to me, I wasn't anti-police. I just wanted those guys reprimanded. And now when I see, like, the even the why they are so arrogant in their, in their uh, actions, and why they do things with such, with no remorse is because they know that there isn't going to be any reprimand. They, they know that they're backed up by internal affairs. They're backed up by the chief. They're backed up by the fraternal order of police. Like they have so many people backing them. And then even in instances where officers here get uh, get fired, they get to appeal the decision and then they're rehired. So it's almost like it's almost like they're going to going to work as prosecutors because they basically have immunity. They don't. They don't suffer any consequences for anything that they do, and they continue well, to do it. Even when they do get fired, they will just transfer to a different city. You know, there's a, certainly an epidemic of gypsy cops too that you know travel from one to the next, and they commit crimes over and over again. And isn't yes, that sir. funny? Isn't that funny too that you know cops are literally committing crimes to try to enforce these laws? But it just kind of highlights the problem with the drug war and the inevitable consequences of trying to enforce victimless crimes. You know, I mean, the police will take the easy route and they'll try to fabricate information. They'll try to manipulate the scenario and the situation. And, you know, it just, once again, it goes to show that this is what happens when there's a monopoly on law enforcement. And the sad thing about all of this is that, like, I was just fortunate enough that, that uh, I've been able to, to count, uh, not even counter, but to put my all towards fighting this but others who chose to try to stand up and not, you know, uh, take a deal for things that they didn't do, they wind up getting federally indicted. Like, I only know of maybe just recently since I came out that the cases that have been dismissed and uh, maybe one instance prior where the charges were dismissed. But anybody else that's facing felony charges, when they don't take a deal, they are they were uh, federally indicted. And, and, and that's the fear of, now people that want to stand up, they're like, I don't know because they're telling me they're going to take me to trial. And, and I, I now want to let people know I have gone so far as to filing complaints with the uh, the Department of Justice against the federal prosecutors that are still pursuing these charges. And that I've filed uh, complaints against the state prosecutors who are continuing to uh, pursue charges against these uh, defendants that, that were victims of these no-knock search warrants. Right. Yeah, and and th- this information is so damning that you're that you're putting out there all these complaints and everything. It's exposing so many people that um, the city attorney uh, Thomas Carpenter he tried to gag like silence you right when all this was coming out. They claimed yes, that they claimed that this information was jeopardizing officer safety and well being, and that it posed significant this that showing that the cops were raiding innocent people's homes 
posed significant safety risk to human lives. That was the the reasoning they gave to try to silence uh, Roderick while he was exposing all this stuff. And uh, luckily, the 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 U, uh, U.S. District Judge Court um, Leon Holmes he he actually agreed with you, Roderick, and then and and like denied the city's motion to gag you. Thank God. And then, but then that was just the beginning, right? Didn't after all this uh, after all this happened? Um, well, I'll, I'll give a little background. So. In 2015, you were stopped for uh, a traffic violation. You hadn't committed any crime, hadn't done anything wrong. Police found a, a, a gun in your car, which is not illegal. You don't, you don't need a license for it in the state of Arkansas. You were completely within your rights to have this gun and everything. And that happened in 2015. Nothing ever came on it. Uh, or, or you actually you were arrested for it, but then they, they dropped the charges because they had nothing on you. But they confiscated right. some cash in your car. And, yes, sir. uh, when they, when they, when you wanted to get your cash back after all the charges had been dropped, cause you hadn't done anything wrong, the police gave you a check and this check had you and your attorney's name on it. Right. Yes, sir. And then when, so you went to go cash that check, you didn't realize that you had to, the attorney had to sign the check too. So you just scratched his name out, cast the check, got your cash. It was all fine and it was over. But here we are. They come back after you th- nearly three years later, and they wanted to, they charge they charge Roderick with with forgery because he scratched out the attorney's name that he didn't even know that had to assign an attorney. There, there was no complaint by the attorney whatsoever. The attorney never filed forgery charges or anything like that. But all of a sudden, the here's the state of Arkansas, you know, filing charges three years after this incident on forgery and. You can't tell me that that wasn't completely retaliatory, and and so they they came after you, right, Roderick? And and what happened yes. then? Yeah, um, and it kind of clarified. It was the check that they gave me. Uh, it was for thirty one hundred dollars that they had confiscated, which I thought went to evidence. And like you said, I went to go pick it up, and they had my name, and and he actually wasn't my attorney. He he, uh, I had used him before. And when I got arrested for that, I informed him about, you know, what had went on. But I didn't have him to uh, represent me because I wasn't facing any charges. They never gave me a, a date to come back to court. So after okay. a year passed by, I uh, have a speedy trial. So when I got there and, and uh, there was a second name on the check, I've never had a check before with another person's name on it. And I didn't understand why my attorney's name was, well, not my, but the attorney's name was on it. So as I go to uh, cash it, they tell me that uh, he has to cash the check. So um, he has to sign his name to cash, in which I know if you sign somebody's name or something, and I do know that that is forgery. And there was a Roderick Tally and like an a or symbol, an and symbol that the little cross, almost looked like a cross. And um, uh, a, a friend that was with me changed the check from and to or. But they kept the check. They said we can't cash it. They kept it. And they reissued me a check and they mailed it to the attorney. And when I went to go pick it up from him, he signed the check, but he kept it and rewrote me a check and shorted me $700, even though I had no contractual obligation with him at all. But still, you know, yeah, I I just left it at that and I left. And then when I got after my door is blown off, I don't hear anything. This is 2017 now. And this happened in 2016 with cashing the check. Um, a year goes by, I haven't heard anything. Then I get arrested August the 10th, and I don't hear anything. Then all of a sudden, November the 20th, I get uh, informed that there's a warrant out for me 
for a forgery uh, for a check that nobody has reported. Uh, like you said, even the, even if the attorney was my attorney, he didn't file anything saying that he was wrong because they reissued a check. And um, I was I was served. I went to appear in court and they told me, uh, you know, they kept giving me days to come back for it and charge me with basically with with forgery for nothing with no probable cause, no reason because the check wasn't completed. Even by state law, it says the, uh, it has to be completed and the check was never cashed. It was confiscated. Right. And it, it, this is a felony in the state of Arkansas. Yes, sir. What yes, they were bringing felony. against yes, you. And, Three to uh, ten years. Yeah, yeah. So they wanted to throw you in a cage for ten years because you scratched out a name on a check that you didn't know you didn't you didn't know you couldn't do, and and tried to get your money back from them. You know, right? That that and is the insanity. The sad thing about man. it is when I got discovery, which uh, they didn't give me discovery until the day before they decided to go to trial. Even though I had been asking for discovery for weeks, they waited until the day before the prosecutor asked the case to go to trial because I had filed a motion for speedy trial dismissal. And um, so he waits until the day before trial and it gives me my discovery. And uh, upon looking at it uh, shortly, he tell it says that the judge had ordered the check to be paid to only me. And then I get a, a copy of a fax that that prosecutor, I mean, that the uh, alleged attorney had fi- faxed the prosecutor and asked him, could you put my name on the check? Question mark. So. Right. So he knew. You know that he shouldn't have been on the check, but they did it anyway. Right, and I, and then so <clears throat> explain what happened when you went to court that day. I know there was some like some bad weather, and um, the Cross County Sheriff himself even posted on his Facebook page that please use extreme caution while navigating the roads in Cross County today. There's multiple crashes. the The roads were in terrible conditions, and so you called the courthouse to tell them that the roads were bad and you were going to be about thirty minutes late, and you begged them to hold the judge, and the judge didn't didn't stay he could because he, he wanted to leave and so when you got there you were 30 minutes late and then what happened then ah man uh i get there and i actually i called twice actually and I, and I got a copy of my phone records to show that i had called that courtroom twice to let them know uh that i was running a little late because of the weather it was snowing and i'm driving over 200 miles to get there so um uh, and I've never missed a court date, mind you. I've even showed up on days where they gave me the wrong court date. I would make sure I was there because I I, I don't miss court, not when it's regarding a criminal matter. Um, and so uh, they told me that, you no, know, it wasn't snowing there, but I let them know, you know, let the judge know I'll be there. So I get there and I'm rushing to the courtroom because the second time they answered and uh, they were like, go ahead, just you need to get here in the courtroom. So when I get there... Uh, I sit down on the front row. I'm waiting for the judge. He's in his chambers. And uh, the bailiff walks up to me and like, Mr. Talley, stand up. And I was like, what's going on? He was like, uh, you're under arrest. And I was like, under arrest for what? Uh, the judge issued a bench warrant. And I'm like, well, can I speak with the judge? And uh, the judge won't come out. He's not trying to talk to me at all. And so uh, uh, as they're walking me back to the jail, now, I haven't told my attorneys I'm here, my civil rights attorney, I haven't told them I'm here. I haven't told family members I'm here. I haven't told anybody because I knew this charge was bogus and I just was you know, here to get it get it over with. And really, I was going to ask for a continuance because uh, I hadn't had time to review my discovery. And, and um, to fully review it, I got so much placed on me in such a short time. And once I get there, um, I'm being hauled out to jail. So I took off running. And right. it just was in my mind, like, I get there late. I've never been late. And you all are trying to take me to jail. 
when you see I'm here in the courtroom and court can still go on. And I ran just out of pure fear. And I know it was the wrong decision. Uh, and on one part, you could say it was, but on, and, and at the time for me, I just ran out of fear. And when I ran, uh, the officer, he ran behind me and I jumped into the rental car that I had rent, well, that a friend of mine rented for me so I could get to uh, court. And um, the officer jumps on top of the car in an effort to, like, stop me before I even pulled out of the parking lot. He jumps on top of the car. And as he uh, jumps on, he's an old guy. So he slides off to the left side of the vehicle. And there's a car in front of me. So I turn to the right. And I just kind of leave. I, I drive out of the parking lot. And um, I turn my phone off. And when I turn my phone back on, I see that there's, like, an APB out for me that I'm a threat to officer safety basically a shoot on sight if you see him type situation right you had <clears throat> i mean i agree that it was probably the wrong decision to run but maybe not i mean these people these people had made false felony charges against you they blew your fucking door off the hinges to your right. house and they 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 kidnapped you already once before no one knew you were there they showed that they don't care that they will commit crimes in the open and and there's nothing that anybody could do you had every reason in, in the world, in my opinion, to be scared for your life and try to get out of that situation. I mean, that's what that we have. We see so many cases like Sandra Bland or, uh, you know, or the, the people that go to jail for, for minuscule little shit and then they get they die. You know, they, they get right. suicided in jail, man. And, and and there's so many people die in custody in, in, in jails and especially in Arkansas jails, too. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I mean, well, actually, um, you could tell us what happened. Uh, so you actually had to go to jail, right? And and this happened. You yes, went to sir. jail at the end of November. Tell us, uh, tell our listeners what you witnessed in this jail. Man, I I think that the probably the worst conditions. Are, I mean, not saying that jail is the best place anywhere, but like upon uh, turning myself in, um, I got in there, and my first six days, they kept me in a room by myself. Where the holding cell by myself, where the toilet didn't work, uh, there was no running water you know, from the sink. Uh, uh, they didn't let me take a shower until like my my sixth day in there. And when they transferred me to another cell, so I had used that bathroom in there, and because it wouldn't flush, I'm literally you know in there with my own uh, urine, and um, so and then it's gnats and it's just it was terrible. So they transport, I mean they transferred me to another holding cell. Uh, and there's four other guys in there where the toilet is flooding, so it makes a puddle in the middle of the floor that we have to mop up every maybe 10, 15 minutes. Um, and I'm sleeping on that floor. So uh, there's no running water in there either. Uh, they offer me a shower, but in there, when you first booked in, or when you're booked in, period, they don't offer you towels or soap. Uh, so you have no way of you know, actually washing your body unless you have money on your books to be able to buy you soap and towels. Um, and then, uh, the, they don't give, they didn't give informants. I mean, not info. They didn't give, uh, inmates their medicine. They only had like two or three guys on staff. And at night they only worked only one person for the males worked at night. And then there were people that worked for the females. Uh, during my time in there, the females, female guard was allowing, uh, these two females that were in the holding cell next to mine, allowing them, uh, I would say force forcefully because you, uh, inmates can't consent to search. I mean, to six, um, they were allowing them to uh, perform uh, oral sex on other, uh, we're calling 309s, people that come from prisons and come, like, basically to work. 
to get so that they can get out soon sooner. Um, they were performing oral sex on them, and even one of the employees was engaging in a sexual relationship with one of the uh, 309s that was working there at the uh, at the jail, one of the prisons, which he was uh, sent back to prison, and she was fired uh, while I was in there also. And just to show you, like, how, how like, tactical that they are in the things that they're doing, um, because I, as I was incarcerated and I filed to have my case dismissed again, uh, the prosecutor actually came down to the jail to try to force me into going to trial or to, to grant him a continuance, uh, knowing that I hadn't had time to review my discovery or, or anything regarding my case. They tried to rush a trial on me and asked me to make a continuance uh, in regards to that. Man, that is crazy, dude. You, you, you and yeah, you, what you saw actually got um, one of their that officer fired right in in the jail yeah. and um and and you have, no wonder you were scared to go in there, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who who, yeah. who wouldn't be who wouldn't be scared to go in there? Oh man, I'm I'm so sorry that happened to you, Roderick. I'm I'm you're you're a, like I told you on the phone though, man. Um, this, if it had to happen to somebody, the, it, it, it happened to the right person because like, you know, like I said, you're not taking this laying down, man. And because of your actions, there's, there's innocent people that have their freedom now. And, uh, it's, it's truly inspiring what you're doing out there, man. Um, I just want to, you know, I wanted to thank you for that. You, you gave me this quote over the phone, um, the other day, it said, uh, guilty men are afraid of jail and but uh, I'm as much at home in jail for the cause of human rights as I am in my own drawing room, and uh, that's a that's so powerful, man. That you're you're willing to sacrifice your own freedom so that you can keep other innocent people out of jail. Yes, that's, sir. That's amazing, man. I I, I salute you for that, brother. Uh, what what's going to happen now? What what's what's the future hold right now? <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh. For me, man, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get my application to get back in school because I have no fear of going to jail. I, I feel like just if justice prevails like it's supposed to and like I, I put so much work towards uh, making sure that, that justice does prevail, that I won't be going to jail. And um, I'm enrolled, trying to get back enrolled in school for this semester because, I mean, I spend a lot of time uh, trying to do things for so many others that I kind of gotten away from uh being able to do anything for myself and it's it's kind of hard uh with trying to help people fight their cases and they make it to where if you're not a lawyer you basically are kind of outsourced in the sense of of helping others you know there's only so much i could do in regards to other people's cases where public defenders are dragging their feet and and things like that i actually just filed a writ uh with the supreme court um against the uh Cross County judge for his uh, denial of my motion to dismiss, which I got a call this morning that they accepted that. So I'm just waiting to hear if they're going to let me proceed pro se without uh, filing any, uh, without having to file the without paying the filing fees. And then uh, the, I'll have the courts overrule uh, the judge, hopefully overrule what the judge uh, judge dismissing my uh, motion to dismiss for speedy trial. Cause uh, I, and I and I'll just hit on this real quick. What's 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 crazy is uh, the irony of it is they arrested me because I was thirty minutes late to court. But in my case, they filed a motion to toll speedy trial time, which means stop it, stop speedy trial time for ninety six days because they said of severe weather that one of the judges couldn't make it out of his driveway. So they stopped the clock from June the sixth, two thousand eighteen, to September the tenth, two 
2018 because the judge couldn't get out of his driveway. They Not call that above the law. <laughs> yeah, completely, completely. Man, so, yeah, that's I'm, ridiculous. I'm just fighting. I'm just fighting, and uh, and I, I, I think sometimes I let people know. I, I kind of do get uh fu- frustrated at times because it's like uh, I feel like people pay so much attention to so many things that have no relevance in in other people's lives, and I, I feel like this is something that has affected a lot of people. It's still affecting a lot of people because these officers are still working. And they have gone to the lengths of now when they don't get a, a no knock search warrant, they are showing up at people uh, probation hearings or uh, I mean, their probation check ins or parole check ins and then are taking their keys and driving them home and searching their homes and arresting them if they find whatever in their home. Like It could be your girlfriend's gun. They're going to charge you for it and say that it was used for, you know, you using it to, to sell or in a sense associated with selling drugs. So. Like it's it's scary, and so I I I work so hard because uh, ignorance is bliss, and not calling anyone ignorant, but ignorant of the law in a sense. And when people don't know, they don't know. And when they have these fears of mandatory minimums hanging over their head, like man, I could go take a chance in trial, but uh, this jury isn't of my peers, and I know what a jury of of, of the opposite is going to do to my do to me, even if I'm innocent. So. This is why I'm continuing to fight for everyone else. And uh, if I can get back in school and finish school and hopefully get into law school, then I can fight for them the right way. If anybody needs to go to law school, man, it's you. You, uh, (laughs) I mean, your knowledge of the law is what's is what has has literally kept your freedom. You know, anybody else would have just been just been rolled over by the system. And I want to like I want to elaborate like on what you said about how. they they intimidate you before you go to trial into into taking a plea deal and even if you're innocent you know the the intimidation pre-trial is uh is out of this world they they threaten you they come up to you i mean i've done i've done this from experience and um if I, i was innocent facing charges and i uh i they they came you know they they sweated me out literally you know like they my, they set me a court time for eight o'clock in the morning. They kept me there all day. They kept sending in uh, the DA to come and tell me that, uh, you know, that if I fight this, I'm going to get guilty and I should just make a plea now. And um, I mean, this was like a speeding ticket. It wasn't anything big, but I so I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. You know that, and I, I I fought them and fought them and fought them, and eventually they they caved, you know, because they didn't have yeah, anything on me. But um, that mean, but if you're if you're facing something more serious than like a, a traffic violation, like you are, you know, this this can seem like a it, it, they put you in a spot to where they want to make sure that they're going to keep their 99% conviction rate and they want to uh-huh. and that they they want to so they 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 intimidate people and even innocent people into saying they did crimes that they they didn't commit man and that's that's the state of our justice system and it's it's terrible it is it's so sad man if any of our listeners still aren't clear on who the bad guys are, the conflict creators, the real conflict creators in society are, this interview should be more than enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, and 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 one one other thing that uh, I think people should be aware of, um, it isn't just the police, and 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 prosecutors aren't supposed to be the attorneys for the police, but in in, in reference, they I mean, in, in in the clearest form of regard, they are like they they represent the police, even though they're all supposed to be officers of the court. I I literally watched the prosecutor in my case in the. Uh, in Cross County, in Wynn, I literally watched him uh, and overheard him. So did the judge, and so did several other uh, attorneys, public defenders. Watched him uh, 
he was prosecuting the case of a, a wife and husband. And before they were to be called up, he took the wife out in the hallway because she recanted her statement of originally saying her husband pointed the gun at her to saying he pointed it in the air. Uh, he chewed her out, threatened her, blackmailed her, told her that if she didn't go in there and say what she originally said, that uh, she would be looking at five years in jail for filing a false police report. Uh, Ashley made her go sit on the front row with the inmates that were coming into court and told her she was going to go to jail, too, if she didn't say what she originally said uh, in her statement against her husband. Like, And, and that, they watched it and witnessed it and heard him like fussing and going off. And that's illegal. If I do that to a witness, to a victim, that's witness tampering. But the prosecutor's sitting there doing it, and nobody said anything other than the public defender jumping up eventually and saying, hey, man, you can't do that. But they're supposed to report conduct like that. But, I, but that's why I've been getting such a hard time, because I requested the videos from the courtroom and outside of the courtroom that caught him doing this so that I could report him to the uh, uh, um, professional conduct uh, committee also. That's incredible, so that, man. Yeah, Something yeah, completely unrelated to your case, and you're still going to help to expose some corruption yeah. in the system, man. That's awesome. Yeah, they call my friends, man. I have friends sending facts because I don't have a fax machine. So I have people, I email them, and they fax, you know, court papers, motions, and things that I file. And, you know, he actually looked, Googled the fax number and tried to call a friend of mine's job and get them fired for sending faxes on my behalf. Wow. Wow. Man, that's that is that's insane. So, are you still in Little Rock? And if so, like, do you fear even more retaliation? Like, I mean, are you like? I know it seems like you're very ahead of the game and prepared, but I like, are you wearing like a body cam when you leave the house? I mean, do you have like a dash cam in your vehicle? Are you like uh, trying yeah, when to I'm be? When I ride with somebody, I, I kind of keep my camera on. I got a, a second phone that I, I don't use, so I, I kind of use it to record. Um, for the most part, and uh, I'm in Arkansas, yes, sir. Um, I'm not even fearful anymore. Man. I, I, I think when it first happened, when I felt like if the, if I, you know, if they do something to me at this point, uh, then me putting in any work would be in vain. But now that, and I would like to thank you all more than anything because when nobody else would listen, you guys took my story and and man just made it made it what it was. And I, and I'm so I'm forever in you all's. Um, like you forever in my grace, but I'm forever indebted to you all for what you what you did in helping me. But um, yeah, I, I'm not afraid anymore. I, anything that I do now, I feel like enough people know that. Hopefully, somebody will carry on what I started and continue to try to get justice for people. And I and 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 I don't think it's that people don't care. I found out a lot that even those that are affected by this, people are so busy with just their own lives that it's hard to dedicate this time to to uh trying to fight for justice because I, I i can tell them now um the best thing that they did was free up my time like they they made my life hell and, and, and financially it's been hell but they freed up my time and gave me enough time to be able to find out the things that i find out found out and uh try to fight and get justice oh yeah that's so inspiring man it is you i think i saw you write that on facebook or something and you're you're t- talking about people always complaining how they can't do anything but Man, you're you're one person, and uh, look what you've done, dude. Imagine yeah. imagine ten of you. This right. this this shit would be over with tomorrow. If we, I mean, tomorrow, if we had, yes, if you know, if if half the people in this country had the 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 fortitude that you have you've shown over the last two years, man. I mean, this we wouldn't have this problem with police corruption and, and the corruption, the corrupt criminal system. It, it wouldn't be a uh, it wouldn't be an issue. They'd all be held accountable, and it'd be over with. 
But uh, unfortunately, you know, there, there, there is only one, only one Roderick Tally, man. So uh, maybe we. <laughs> th- I know you had uh, set up a, a GoFundMe, man. Is that still active? Yeah, I had. I hadn't been pressing it too much because, and, and that was a hard thing for me to do too. I, I know a lot of people feel like man, you got every right to ask for help, but I mean, I'm, a, I'm not so much as prideful person, but I'm just. Uh, I, I've had to sacrifice before. And uh, and I didn't want people to think that I was asking for money to do anything extracurricular. It's just that between trying to, uh, you know, and paperwork is free now. Uh, I, I got a hiccup in Cross County now about getting paperwork, which I had to file a couple of civil suits there uh, for uh, violation of my Freedom of Information Act. Um, but outside of that, paperwork is free. But the time that it takes me to, you know, having to get here and get there or, trying to take care of other things like that's the only reason i, I even asked for help so uh and it's crazy it, that it's a modest amount too you only asked for three thousand dollars man we yeah. I, I actually i wrote a story this morning uh there was a viral video of a, a yellow vest protester in france he was he was seen on video like he's a he's a professional boxer he's like the the former uh heavyweight champion uh in france for 2007 2008 anyway he was seen mm-hmm. on video uh like literally punching through a riot police officer's uh shield and helmet and everything and he just he waylaid on this officer and that dude on they set up like a, a gofundme like it's a french version of it called leech it or something like this they mm-hmm. raised a, they raised one hundred seventy thousand dollars for this guy because he punched a cop in two days you're fighting wow. you 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 have morality on your side and and everything else so we're gonna put your gofundme at the bottom of this uh podcast man and hopefully Hopefully we can get you something to, for your time that you're doing and all these people that you're helping, man. Hopefully this resonates with people and and we can we can give you, you know compensate you for all this amazing work that you've been doing selflessly and tirelessly for for two years now, man. Oh man, I appreciate you all so much. I, and and just like that, the statement you just made about the guy, uh, officer here just shot a dog in Arkansas and they raised twenty thousand dollars in two days for the for dog. him. For the dog. Oh, for the dog. I know. We, we covered that story, yeah. too. Yeah, that little chihuahua. Yeah. Nine-pound yeah. chihuahua. Uh, that cops in Arkansas are crazy, man. They man. shot a nine-pound chihuahua. Yeah. Yeah. When we did a story earlier this this or last week where cops shot uh, three baby pigs. They were like eight pounds each. They were they were this woman's pets, and it, it tore, it tore you know, broke her heart. That's just, this is this is crazy. This is the system that we're dealing with, people, and this is what we got to fight. Uh you know, and and we do it. Roderick is doing it the the right way. He's 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 going in and he's and he's with his mouthpiece in, his helmet on, and his head down, and he's <laughs> taking these people out legally. And um, yes, sir. we're we're in your corner, man. Um, no, I just wanted to add to that. I mean, uh, I think you're right, Roderick. I mean, people are inundated by their constant, you know, work schedules, their daily lives. I mean, we have families, we have you know, extracurricular activities, obviously, but we need more people to stand up and speak out. And, you know, like I said earlier, just an inspiration, man. Like it's been awesome talking to you. I'm really glad that we have this opportunity. And, uh, how would you suggest people follow you and and support your fight besides the GoFundMe? I mean, are you, do you want people to follow you? Are you on Twitter or Facebook or what's, yeah, I'm on, on, uh, you can go on my Facebook. It's my, my name or I have two pages, uh, R O D E R I C K last name, T A L L E Y. My, uh, social media, other social media names, uh, Instagram and Twitter. They are, uh, tally T A L L the number four justice J U S T I C E. And uh, you can follow me on there. Uh, anybody, just if you got the free time, I got links on how to file complaints. Uh, I've already did 
fill the complaints out. All the thing you have to do is download them and uh, email them. So if anybody's willing to just do anything to help, if you got the free time, just just asking for help with uh, with getting uh, attention to uh, to the rightful people. People. I mean, I've called the FBI, and if you like to call the FBI, you can call them also. But um, just just whatever you can, to, if you have the time to to help bring awareness, whether it's just sharing a post or whatever, I would appreciate it. Hell yeah! I'll put all your links to uh, all your social media and in, um, in the podcast too, man, down below here. Okay. Okay, I appreciate that. Well, Roderick, man, it was uh, it was great listening to your story, man. You you're you're very well spoken, and um, and you just you're such a smart guy, man. I I I'm really glad that you were able to come on here, and I'm I'm glad that you're not in jail right now, and I'm glad that you you know that you keep fighting, and um, and man, uh, hopefully this you know this freedom prevails, and and these guys get exposed one day, man. Yes, sir. I thank you all for having me. All right, man. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Roderick. All right. All right, guys. Well, that was Roderick Talley. He's a personal hero of mine. You heard his story. He's he's the power. He's showing what the power of one person can do if they just devote you know devote themselves to to fighting the good fight. Uh, all his all his contact information is going to be below in this podcast. And um, if it's not if you can't see it on iTunes, you can you can find the podcast on our website with all the links to everything. And um, if you can, I mean, he, he's he's only asking for a, a modest three thousand dollars to help him do this, and you've heard all the all the stuff that he's been doing over the last two years. I think three thousand dollars is 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 nothing compared to the stuff that this man's been through. He's willing to go to jail for innocent people. Let's go blow that out of the water here. Let's let's surpass that three thousand dollar goal and get this guy some money so he can keep this fight up. And as always, you know, like our podcast, uh, subscribe to him in, in your preferred choice, and fight the good fight, freedom lovers. Peace.